Thank you for joining us. Our goal at Church of the Rock is to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To learn more about us, please check out our website at churchoftherock.ca or stay connected with our free app available for Apple and Android devices. Ready for a little space travel? You know how I love that stuff, don't you? All right, so today my message is entitled, and it's going to be a fun one, it's called The Truth About the Multiverse. You know, unless you've been living under a rock, you've been hearing a lot about this whole thing called the multiverse, and so let me just give you a quick definition of what that is. It's a belief that our universe is not alone, and that there could be others, or maybe many other universes, and uh, this is the kind of thought, and they're connected by black holes or wormholes or, or some such thing, and uh, it's actually not a new thought. We think it's something of the last couple of decades. Actually, the ancient Greeks speculated about it. Buddhism and Hinduism are sort of loosely based on the idea. But lately, science and science fiction has become completely obsessed with it. Have you you noticed? I mean, they're talking about it all the time. Even legitimate scientists are writing about this stuff, like the celebrity astrophysicist, his name is Michio uh, Kaku, some of you would know him. He says, I believe we exist in a multiverse of universes. He's written a whole book on the universe and the multiverse, even there, though there's not one single shred of scientific evidence, but it's what he believes, so he wrote a book about it. Isn't that fun? You can do whatever you want. But, you know, when we look at science fiction, oh my goodness, I mean, they have just taken this to a whole new level. How many are Marvel fans? Any Marvel fans in the room? They used to call Marvel the Marvel Universe, right, of comics? Now what do they call it? The Marvel Multiverse, you should have known where I was going with this. The Marvel Multiverse. And it's all about these multiple universes and all these characters come from these different universes that collide together, etc. And then, of course, Hollywood's gone nuts with this. I mean, the movies now are all about the multiverse. Used to be about time travel. I mean, that's actually my personal favorite, time travel. Well, I've never actually done it, but I, but I do love it. But this whole thing about the multiverse, that there's these different universes out there, has Hollywood's just, just embraced it big time. I don't know if you caught the Oscars. I mean, the, the movie that won the, the best picture, everything, everywhere, all at once. Have you seen it? It was nothing, nowhere, at any time. It was like the worst movie ever. I'm thinking to myself, I know that's subjective, I'm thinking to myself, what is wrong with Hollywood? They, they, they could pick from Avatar. Avatar, for goodness. Now, there's a multiverse movie that actually made a little bit of sense and was entertaining and a whole bunch of other things. And I mean, the first Avatar actually did gross sales, are you ready for this, of almost $3 billion. The highest grossing movie of all time did not win the Oscar back then. It was the Hurt Locker, whatever that is. And now we have James Cameron snubbed again. So anyway, you get the picture, is that the, the multiverse is something that's really, really big. And, and I think, what is it that intrigues us about the multiverse? What is it? Time travel, I get. You know, you could go back in time and change something, and it would change your future. But the multiverse is this notion that maybe there's some parallel universe that I exist in, in an alternate state, and in that universe... I am wildly successful and famous, <laughs> right? That's a notion I think we, we all kind of like. But here's, here's what I'm going to share with you. See, here's what they know about, well, they don't know. They speculate because it's all hypothetical. They speculate that there, if there was other universes, the laws of those universes, the physical laws would be different than our universe. And here's what's fascinating. You have all actually experienced the multiverse in your own life. You say, what are you talking about? An alternate reality. You know, you do it every night. It's called dreamland. Have you ever noticed how the laws of physics are different when you dream? 
So, so let me ask you this question. You're looking at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. How many of you have ever had the dream where you can breathe underwater? How many of you have had that dream? A whole, whole bunch of people can breathe underwater. How do you do that, by the way? You don't know? Different laws in that world. How many of you have had the dream where you can fly? <laughs> a bunch of you can fly. And even more, I'll have this. How many of you had the dream where like you're running away from something or you're running and you can't run fast? You go really, really slow. Oh, oh no, get away. You know why you can't run fast? Because the gravity is much higher in that universe than in this one. That's what you're, you're struggling with. How many of you had this one? Where you were in high school, you were late for school, you had a test that day, you had not s- studied, and then you also found out you had no pants on. How many of you had that dream? <laughs> Why have so many of you had that dream? I'll tell you something, that wasn't a dream, that was real life. <laughs> here's, here's what I've discovered about dreams. I'm a big dreamer. I dream all the time. Every night I wake up, I can remember my dreams. And this is what I've discovered. Nobody wants to hear about your dreams. I know. No one will let me talk about their dreams. But I have a captive audience today, so I'm going to do that. And I'll, I'll tell you what I did. See, I had this series of dreams, three dreams that were very similar in a month. And I had the whole family together. They didn't want to hear my dreams. But I had them all together. And Kathy asked me to say grace. And I decided to use the time to tell about a dream instead. So I told my family. They're all sitting there. And I said, so I've been having this series of dreams. And over the last month, Brad Pitt has appeared three times in my dreams. And I'm hanging out with him, and we're going to parties, and, it, and, it's, and it's super fun. And then I, I said, you know what Brad Pitt's like? He's just like he is in the movies in real life. To which my smart Alex son says, which Brad Pitt did you get? Did you get Troy Brad Pitt, or Moneyball Brad Pitt, or Ocean's Eleven Brad Pitt? Which Brad Pitt did you get? I said, I got the real Brad Pitt. He says, well, how would you know? How do you know you've never met him? I said, I just told you I met him. He's been showing up in my dreams. He says, how do you know you got the real Brad Pitt? Because God wouldn't give me the fake Brad Pitt in my dreams. He says, now you're saying that the dream is of God? I said, the devil wouldn't give you a dream like this, would he? And then Kathy speaks up and she says, I have a question. Why are you dreaming about Brad Pitt? I said, look, I didn't pick pick Brad Pitt. He's picked me. It's not my fault. Don't blame me for this. Like I said, nobody wants to hear your dreams. And lately I found myself going to bed at night and hoping I'll dream about Brad Pitt. (laughs) This is not good, people. So we've all experienced the multiverse in our own little unique way. And here's what you need to know about from Scripture, because the Bible doesn't actually talk about the word universe. It doesn't exist in Scripture. It has an alternate word for it, and the word is heavens. And every time you see that word heaven or heavens, it's talking about a universe. And there's lots for us to talk about. If you can imagine for a moment that universe and heavens are the same word, all of a sudden the multiverse actually makes some sense. So uh, here's where we're going to start. We're going to jump into uh, a verse here, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. Paul the Apostle is writing. Listen carefully. It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body, I do not know, or whether out of the body, I do not know, God knows, such a one was caught up to the third heaven. Say third heaven. And I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows. He was caught up into paradise and heard inexpressible words, 
which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, here's what the scholars all pretty much agree on, that this man he is talking about is himself. And he's talking about himself in the third person. And the reason people would do that, it was sort of an ancient thing, If you because he said, I don't want to boast, I don't want to brag about myself, so I'm going to tell it this way. I know a guy. I know a guy. Uh, and he, he is that guy. And he's talking about himself in the third person, so he doesn't sound like he's boasting about this. Some of you who are Seinfeld fans know that George Costanza started doing that. Do you remember this? And in many episodes, George is getting upset. And George, George would talk about, refer to himself in the third person. Not uncommon in the ancient world. So Paul doesn't want to boast, so he's saying, so I know this guy, and uh, whether he's in the body or out of the body, I don't know, but this is what happened to him. Now, here's what we know. We know he's actually talking about himself, and we know exactly when this happened, because it was in Acts chapter 14. Now, Paul and Barnabas were in the city of Lystra. They were out preaching the gospel. They came across a man who was lame from birth, and they prayed for the man, and the man was completely, totally healed. It was a huge miracle, so much so that the locals in Lystra said the gods have come down and are living amongst us, and they called Paul Zeus, and they called Barnabas Apollos. And then what happened was the Jews that were kind of contrary to Paul and Barnabas, they showed up and they stirred up this controversy within the city, and somehow they convinced the men of the city to stone Paul. So which they did. Now, understand something, that getting stoned in those days means something different than it does today, right? And they, and they stoned Paul, and then they dragged him to the edge of the city, and the scripture says this, supposing him to be dead. Now, I have a question for you. What are the chances of him actually being dead? They're, pr they're pretty high. I mean, if you're going to, you're not, don't imagine they're throwing little pebbles at, take this, take that, you rat, stay out of town. They stoned him. They take great big stones and they crush his head and crush his body and they leave him and they drag this man all the way to the edge of town and he was dead. He wasn't just mostly dead, he was all dead. So he's lying there out in the street or outside of town and the disciples gathered around him. They're looking at him, dead as a stick. Paul's dead. And they're just imagining what to do next. And who knows what happened next? He got up. He got up and he went, now I'm imagining this part, but, you know, humor me. He stands up and he goes, ow, that really hurt. You know, I mean, imagine he's going to have blood all over him. And stuff. Who remembers what he did next? He, he went back into Lystra. Who goes back into a city after you've just been stoned and killed in that city? Now, here's what Paul's telling this story. He said, I know this guy. I'm probably that guy. And whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know. And see, here's the thing. He can't tell whether he actually went to heaven or whether he had a vision of heaven. He can't tell because that's how real it was. But he's telling this story, and he said, I got caught up to the third heaven. Now, that's important for us in this, but let's just dig a little deeper in this. He said this place was paradise, and he said this place I heard inexpressible, inexpressible things. Why can't I say that word? Inexpressible things that it is not lawful for me to utter. In other words, he was forbidden to tell those things when he got back to earth. Now, this is kind of ironic to me because when you find people who have had near-death experiences and claim they have gone to heaven, what's the first thing they do? <laughs> they write a book about it. <laughs> Heaven is for real. And they write all these books and whatever, and people you know, are excited about this. And for whatever reason, Paul doesn't talk about this experience ever again. And he doesn't tell us what he heard or what, we, what he saw. Because he said it wasn't lawful for me to do so. He was forbidden. 
I had a call recently from a friend of mine, Pastor Friend, and he was bringing in this speaker from the UK, and he said, Pastor Mark, would you like the speaker in your church? He's an expert on heaven. To which I said, he's an expert? Why, has he been there? And then he said, no, he hasn't been there. I said, then how can he be an expert? He hasn't even been there. I'm a smart aleck in real life, just like I am on stage. And, so, and he said, well, he studied it. And I said, oh, okay. So that makes him an expert. But, you know, we do know people. Probably, how many of you, just out of curiosity, how many of you know somebody that's had a near-death experience and has come back and talked about heaven of some sort? How many? There's a few hands in the room. And I know people in this room that have had near-death experiences and have shared them with me. I only know one verifiable story, and so I'm going to tell you this one. So these two guys, they were in a a car accident, and they were killed, and they ended up in heaven before St. Peter. And St. Peter said, whoa, you guys are early. You were supposed to die in a boating crash in two months, not a car accident now. And our our mansions, they're not ready for you. So I'm going to have to send you back, but I can't send you back as yourself, because that's going to mess up your families, and you'll only be there in two months. So here's the deal. I'll send you back to Earth, and you can go back as whatever you like. Pick something, anything, just not yourself. So the first guy said, I always wanted to be able to soar like an eagle. So poof, he's gone. And then the second guy said, I always wanted to be one cool stud. Poof, he's gone. Two months later, the angels show up, say, hey, those mansions are ready. We've got to bring those two guys up. And so Peter says, go get them. He says, well, how are we going to find them? He says, well, it won't be hard to find them. The first guy is a majestic eagle soaring over the mountains of the Rockies. And the second one is a snow tire in Saskatchewan. (laughs) (laughs) So here's where we are so far. We've established this, is that there is a third heaven. And what we know about the third heaven is that is the place in which God dwells. That's what the scripture tells us again and again and again. Here's how it's worded. It says, Psalm 103, he makes his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over what? Anybody know? Rules over all. His kingdom rules over all. So the third heaven that Paul was caught up to was this place where God dwells, where it is his HQ, it's his headquarters, and he rules all from that, from that place. And it's very important for us to understand uh, that who God is in this whole mix of things, and if there is a multiverse, where God is in it, and it says whatever there is and whatever exists, he rules over it all. Now, let me go back to you Marvel fans for a minute here again. I'm going to throw up the multiverse uh, there. Now, let me ask you a question, Marvel people. Who is the greatest of all the Marvel characters? Who can tell me? Superman. Superman is DC, but that was a good guess. (laughs) Anybody else want to take a stab at it and get shamed publicly? (laughs) I had someone last night say say Spider-Man. I said, Spider-Man? It doesn't even really have superpowers. Iron Man doesn't have superpowers. I mean, Odin, maybe, or Thor, or Captain Marvel, or, uh, you know, Doctor Strange, all super powerful. But you'd be wrong on every one of them. Everybody's wrong. You'd be wrong on every one of them. In fact, the Marvel Universe has actually uh, tipped their hand a few times as to who is the greatest. Are you ready for this? Only the Marvel people know this. And it is the one above all. The one above all is what they call them. And they've never revealed who the one above all is until one episode of the Fantastic Four. And in the Fantastic Four, episode 511, what we have is the Fantastic Four, and they're coming into this room of this house, and they see a cartoonist 
who is doodling on this pad. And without even turning around, he says, well, you coming in or what? He knows they're there and he knows who they are without even turning around. Why? Because he is drawing them. And of course, that man, that depiction in this episode was none other than the legendary cartoonist Jack Kirby, who invented Iron Man and Thor and the Silver Surfer and the X-Men and the Hulk and the rest of them. And he's now passed away, and they decided that they were going to reveal that Jack Kirby was the one above all. Because, don't miss it, he is their creator. And the creator, see, even, even Marvel Comics has given a nod to the fact that the creator is the one above all. And the scripture tells us even one of God's Hebrew names is the one above all. And Jesus is called this. He has been given a name above all other names that are named. And this is incredibly important for us to understand that he is sovereign and unique in the universe as the ruler over all. So, so far we have established the third heaven, the place in which God the creator dwells. But here's the question. If there is a third heaven, it implies that there are two other heavens, correct? Right? Or two other universes. So let's find out what they are. Genesis 1.1. Who do we find but God, the one of the third heaven, the creator of all things? And it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And some people have speculated that the earth was the earth and the heavens were the heaven in which we, he lives. That's not true. I mean, if he created it, that means he lives outside of it. And all you have to do is read the rest of the story. The heavens he's talking about is the physical universe in which we live. The stars, the moon, the sun. And even, and even David said that same thing in the Psalms. He said, when I consider the heavens, the works of your fingers, the stars and the moon which you have ordained, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or the son of man that you visit him? So the heavens that are referenced in Genesis 1.1 are actually the physical universe in which we live. So, so far what we have is we have the third heaven where God lives, the, let's call it the first or the second, it doesn't really matter because they're not numbered, but then we have this other physical universe, and then what we have is we have a reference to a third universe. You say, where do you find that? You find it also in the, in the writings of Paul, the guy who went to the third heaven, and this is what he said. In Ephesians 6, he says, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this age and spiritual hosts or armies of wickedness, where? In the heavenlies. <laughs> what heavenlies is he talking about? Is he talking about the third heaven? Can't be the third heaven. You can't have demons or spiritual hosts of wickedness in the third heaven because they were cast out of the third heaven. Right? Revelation chapter 12. And there was war in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against Lucifer and his angels. And Lucifer and his angels were cast down from heaven. And they are no longer permitted to go to heaven. And those third of the angels, because it says his tail drew a third of the angels. Those angels became demons and Lucifer became Satan. And he got cast down to the earth. But there's something fishy going on here because the scripture doesn't say they dwell in the earthly universe, but they dwell in the heavenlies, the spiritual heavenlies, and another universe entirely. 
So if I was going to illustrate this, and understand what I'm going to show you in a moment is woefully inadequate. It's, it's how I would imagine it, because I'm a visual guy. And here's how I'd imagine the universes or the heavens working together. You ready for it? Here it is. So you, here's, the, here's the multiverse as I would see it. You have the third heaven. We're going to put it at the top. Why not? And, uh, and then let's call the first heaven, for sake of argument, let's call the first heaven the universe in which we live. The physical universe and the physical laws and the 13.67 billion light years from one side to the other. That is the first heaven. And let's call, for sake of argument, the spiritual realm, let's call it the second heaven. And the reason I do it like this is I kind of feel like it somehow exists between us and the third heaven. And there's this spiritual realm. And you know, most people actually kind of understand this. Even if they're not religious people, there are a lot of people who are spiritual, and they believe in the paranormal, and they believe in spiritual things, and people have this sense, because whatever this spiritual realm is, you can't experience it with the five senses. That's all part of the physical universe. But the spiritual universe, people still sense it, do they not? You probably all know people, and they, they talk about spiritual experiences, and they know there's something else, but they don't know what it is. And so here's what I like to do with it. I like to kind of crush those two together because I think the spiritual and the physical universe coexist together. And they're in different dimensions, but somehow on the same plane because we seem to be interacting. You look at Jesus and he seemed to be interacting with human beings and demons at the same time. We couldn't see the demons, but somehow or another, he knew they were there. You following this? So somehow these two dimensions kind of are come together. And, and just for fun, can I add a fourth dimension to this? It's, it's my, my universe. I can do whatever I want with it, right? I'm making it up as I go along. So I want to add the fourth one. And you know what? It'd be hell. I mean, hell seems like another universe altogether. And I'm not going to get into that. But here's what I want you to see is that we kind of live between heaven and hell. And, you know, we, when they talk about heaven, they talk about it being up. When they talk about hell, they talk about it being down. Scripture talks about that. And even Jesus, when he prayed and he addressed the Father, it says he looked up to heaven. And I'm thinking, what heaven is, where is this heaven exactly that he's looking? Because if the world rotated and he was on the other side, he'd be looking down. Right? <laughs> like, where exactly? Well, it's in another dimension. Let's not get too hung up on that. It's not up in the clouds or up in the stars somewhere. It's another dimension altogether. But for our sense of understanding, hell is down and heaven is up. And we seem to live in this dynamic tension in between where there's this clash between the physical world and the spiritual world. How many of you are following me so far? So I want to take it another step further because we can learn a lot about it from the book of Daniel. So in Daniel chapter 10, we have this immense story about Daniel the prophet. And uh, he's now an old man. He has been in captivity for almost 70 years. And he has lived through four kings and three different kingdoms. The kingdoms have literally changed. It's no longer the kingdom of Babylon anymore. It's now the kingdom of Persia. And there's another king altogether there. And so Daniel's wondering, when is this thing going to end? He's lived his whole adult life in captivity. And he's wondering and he's praying, Lord, what is your plan for, for, for this world in which we live in? And he's seeking God. And he was praying and fasting for how long? Anybody remember? 21 days, 21 days he was praying and fasting. And then finally on the 21st day, an angel appears to him. You can go read it, Daniel chapter 10. And the angel appears to him and it said that he had a face like, like lightning and eyes like fire and a voice like many waters. And he spoke to him and he said there was other men with him. And they couldn't see this man. They couldn't see this angel. And they fell down for fear because they knew something was happening, but they, but they couldn't see it. And this angel spoke to to Daniel and said this 
He said, I have, be- I have come because of your words. And from the moment you prayed, I came. Don't miss that. The moment you prayed, I came. But I was withheld this day 20 by the, by the prince of the power of the kingdom of Persia. And I've been withheld by him, and he would withstood me 21 days. So this angel comes from the third heaven, I assume, or wherever, and he comes to earth, and he gets caught up in the heavenlies, the spiritual realm, 21 days, withstood by the prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now here's my question for you. Was he being withstood by the literal political prince of Persia? Yeah, how how could he be withstood or, or, or withheld from a physical prince? It couldn't be. So what he's doing is referring to what Paul talked about in Ephesians 6, that we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities, same, principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual armies of wickedness in heavenly places. And he says that this angel encountered this powerful force over Persia named the, the prince of the kingdom of Persia. And prince and principality, same word, same thing entirely. And so when we look at this situation, we realize there's a, a, these forces going on in the spiritual realm and, and Persia seemed to have some sort of spirit over it that, that, that withheld this, this angel. And when we look at it, this is what Daniel said, how he explained it. He said that the angel told him that he had help from your prince, Michael, and he was one of the chief princes. Well, we all know who he is. He's the, the archangel. And so he actually was called one of the chief princes. And what he means by your prince, we're not clear about that, meaning Israel, meaning believers, who knows? But the, the angel, Michael, came and helped out this angel, and they finally defeated or pushed back that prince of the kingdom of Persia, and the message finally got through. And here's what you discover. Those of you that have traveled the world, you will discover that as you go to different parts of the world, there's a spiritual climate over almost every nation and continent in the world. And as you go to different places, you can feel it. Even though you don't know exactly what it is, you can sense it. If you go to, and I don't want to be insensitive about this, but it's true. If you go to Southeast Asia, it's hard not to feel the presence of idolatry in those places and the idols everywhere that you see. And you know that idolatry is a spirit in those places. If you go to certain parts of Africa, you can feel the powers of witchcraft. If you go to Eastern Europe, you can feel the oppression politically that exists in those places. You can sense it. You can feel it. And don't think for a minute that we as North Americans are somehow pure and dodging this bullet. Because when people come here, you know what they feel? They feel the greed and they feel the pride and, the, and, they, and, they, and they feel the sexual immorality that runs rife in our culture. And every culture has this spiritual power that exists in it. And here's what I want you to understand about the conflicts. See, Paul says we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. I wish that were true. Because we sort of do, don't we? Because we misunderstand where the real battle is taking place. And we think the battle is political, or we think the battle is cultural, or we think the battle is educational, or we think the battle is moral. And Paul says, no, that's not where the battle takes place. The battle takes place in a whole other realm. And it's a spiritual realm. And he says, that's why you have to pray. And what happens is there are angels, even within this realm, that can come and do incredible things. So I, so I want to sort of bring this down, like, like, how would that work for us? Like, what does this mean in practical terms for us? 
Here's the thing I think we sometimes forget. So we have this spiritual realm where Satan and demons seem to exist. But if for every one demon in that spiritual realm, how many angels are there? There's two. There's two. for Because one-third of the angels fell and became demons. Two-thirds are angels, and they too dwell and exist in that realm. And so that means there's more for us than against us. You're following this, right? And what is their job? It says, are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister to those who will inherit salvation? That's what the scripture says. And he said this in the psalm, that he will give his angels charge over you, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And you remember what he said in Hebrews chapter 13? He said, do not forget to entertain strangers because some have unwittingly entertained angels. See, let me ask you a question about that. How many of you feel that in your life, and this is not a, you know, feel free to answer this and don't feel like you're being proud. How many of you feel like you may have at some point in your life experienced the presence of an angel? How many of you think? Lots of people in this room. And, uh, and you probably have experienced more than you even know. In fact, I would say every single one of you have. So I want to tell you one little story about this. A couple of weeks ago, I told you the story about how when I was a young adult, me and my friends and my family and everybody came to Christ, and uh, there was about 30 or 40 of us, and we kept on doing some, some of the things we did before, having fun and going on trips and doing things together, but now we were doing it differently. We were doing it as Christians, and we were praying, and we were worshiping God, and we were on this ski trip, and there was two carloads, there was about eight or ten of us, and we went out to the ski hill, and we were on our way back, and it started snowing, and it was snowing, and it was snowing, and it was snowing, snowing so hard. You've been in one of those storms where it's snowing so hard you can't see the tracks on, on the highway anymore. And the, tra- the highway was white, and it was just snowing and snowing. And we, we, we began to pray, and we were, we were singing, I, was, I said we were singing hymns, but they didn't sound like hymns. I mean, there's no four-part choir going on here. I mean, we were just sort of bumbling away. And we're singing and, and praising God. And then the lead car, the one in front of us, it actually went into a spin, hit the curb, went flying into the ditch and flew right upside down, landed right smack dead on the roof like that. And they were all shooken up in that moment and uh, they looked at each other and nobody was hurt and everything seemed okay and they got themselves out of the car and they were getting out of the car and they stood there and they looked up onto the road and there was a tow truck parked right at the road, at the top, right wherever they were. Because you know that always happens, right? That always happens whenever you go into a ditch. Oh, thank God, there's, oh, it's so lucky. There's always a tow truck. No, there's never a tow truck. And you'll spend hours waiting for a tow truck. There's a tow truck. The guy gets out of the tow truck and he says, can I give you a hand? No, no, we're God. <laughs> no, of course he can give us a hand. So he hooked up to the underside of the car, rolled the car over. Then he pulled the car up onto the road, Not a a word of the lie. There wasn't a single dent or a single scratch on that car. It was like it landed in a big puffy cloud of snow is what happened. So they pulled the car up on the road. The guys are getting themselves organized and getting back into the car and they look up. The tow truck is gone. It's gone. They were going to pay the guy too, you know, but they didn't, they didn't pay him. Angels don't charge. I like that. I'm liking this. And so then they carried on down the road and they realized something that there was no, because the, the, they assumed that the, the tow truck went that way, there was no tracks in the snow from where the tow truck had gone. Not only does the angel not charge, but he brings a tow truck along. That's the kind of angelic action I want in my life. 
And I think this is really important for us to understand that we have access to things from, from the heavenly realm. We have access to things in the third heaven that other people don't have. And for us to understand the multiverse will help us to live a more successful life. To understand that, they, that there are more on our side than on against us is an important thing. For us to understand that God sends the resources of heaven down to earth and, and he won't solve all our problems, but he's certainly going to help in the midst of this. And when we look at our world, you know, people think, well, you know, technology is going to solve all our problems. Medicine is going to solve all our problems. Politics is going to solve all our problems. Is that true? Do we see those things solving all our problems? I mean, they made great strides in medicine and technology and all these things, and I'm not knocking them. But are our problems going away? No. We've got as many problems as we've ever had. The world is as messed up as they ever were. People are more depressed and discouraged and full of anxiety than they ever were at any time in history. That stuff's not happening because we have a, a, a void, a, a God-shaped void within our heart that needs to be filled, and without that, we'll never really truly find the answer. And what we see in our world today is a gradual decline in traditional religions. I mean, Buddhism is on the decline, and Hinduism is on the decline. And Christianity is growing in many parts of the world, but in North America and the West, it's actually on the decline. That doesn't make people less religious. They think they're non-religious. They call themselves non-religious. It's not true. What they do is they take their non-religious beliefs and they turn them into secular religions of hopelessness. And you know why? Because no matter who we are, no matter what we believe, we all have the same fear. You know what our fear is? The fear of death and annihilation. That is the, you, you can't talk to anybody that doesn't worry about those things. We all worry about those things. So what happens is when you don't have a true spiritual belief, then you lean on some of these non-religious beliefs and they become fanatical, secular religions that are, that are hopeless. They have no end in them. You say, what are you talking about? Well, I'll give you some examples, get myself in trouble. Environmentalism is one of those things. Environmentalism, no, no, don't misunderstand me. We should all be environmentally conscious. As Christians, we should be the most environmentally conscious. We are stewards to this planet. God put us here and said, tend it and keep it. Don't wreck it and destroy it and rape it. However, environmentalism has become an irrational and fanatical thing because they have nothing else to hold on to. And they tell us these irrational things like this, that if we don't stop using fossil fuels tomorrow, then in 12 years the planet's done. Or in 50 years the planet's done. Or in 100 years the planet's done. That's an apocalyptic belief that I don't personally share. And then we look at something else like wokeism, for example. Well, wokeism, what's that all about? Well, that's the belief that if you don't allow everybody to live however they want and accept every moral decision and behavior that every single person desires to do, then they will get depressed because you don't accept them and they will commit suicide and it will be your fault. Really? I'm not willing to accept that kind of nihilism and fatalism. And that's what happens. These religions, these secular religions, and that's what they are. Anytime something becomes fanatical, it becomes a religion. And they have a hell, but they don't have a heaven. And I think that's the big difference. They're all apocalyptic in nature. And what we have... <laughs> and what we have is this incredible hope of heaven. And you know how many times heaven is mentioned in Scripture? You'll be shocked by this. It is mentioned 681 times in Scripture. Heaven is mentioned five times more than grace, which is very important. 
two times more than love, which is even more important. And yet heaven is talked about from the beginning of the Bible to the end of the Bible. Why? Because that is our home, people. We are just sojourners here, and the scripture says that you are citizens of heaven. And we are just here temporarily. We're visiting planet Earth. We're visitors from another universe. And we are here temporarily. But here's the good news. We have access to the resources of heaven. Because Jesus said to us, when you pray, say, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is where? In heaven. Jesus said, if I cast out demons by the finger of God, surely the kingdom of heaven has come upon you. We should be living in a whole different level in a whole different stratosphere than the rest of the world because theirs is just one that ends up in hopelessness. But we have this great and wondrous hope, a hope of heaven. And that is our ultimate and final destiny is a, is a resonance with the God who created all things where his throne is in heaven. Let me just close with one final story on this. So a few years back, we had a, a family in the church and their mother was dying. She had stage four cancer. They said, would you go down and pray for her that she'd be healed? I said, yeah, I'd do that. I knew her. And I went down to the hospital, and there she was. And I knew she was not far from death. She was really sick. And I remember looking at her in that hospital bed and saying to her, so here's what I'm going to do. I believe God can heal, and I'm going to pray for you that God would heal you. And this is what she said to me. No, I'll never forget this. She said, that would be nice, Pastor. And if he healed me, that would be just fine. But if he doesn't heal me, then I get to go to heaven and I get to be with Jesus, which would be so much better. So you just go ahead and pray, because what's the downside? <laughs> she might as well patted me on the head and said, you, you go ahead, dearie, and, and you pray and give it your best shot. But I'm not the least bit worried because I know where I'm going and I know I'm a citizen of heaven and I'm going, I'm going with Jesus. And whatever you do, don't slow me down because I'm on my way to heaven. <laughs> Two days later, she passed away. Seven days later, I was doing her funeral, and I gotta tell you this, it was the easiest funeral I've ever done because I knew exactly where she knew she was going, and I told every one of her friends and family that story, and everybody teared up, and it was hard to be sad that day because we all knew that her citizenship was in heaven, and she had gone home to be with Jesus, and that is the greatest hope any one of us could have because we were not made for this world, people. We were made for the world to come, and one day we will join him together in the third heaven. Let's stand together, shall we? I feel like you got that message. <laughs> all right, let's do something here really important. I need you all to bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. Because I know in a room this size, there's always people, they've actually never made that decision I talked about, that decision to invite Jesus into their heart to be their Lord and their Savior. And they're not 100% clear about that, and they're not sure they're on their way to heaven. And you might be one of those people here, and you're not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. God invited you here today. And I'm going to make this so simple for you. Every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Nobody's looking around. This is between you, me, and God at this moment. And if you're not sure about your eternity, if you're not sure you're on your way to heaven, if you want to ensure that you have salvation and this great gift of God called eternal life, I want you to just do a simple thing for me, and I, and I promise you, I won't call you for it. I'm not going to single you out. I'm not going to ask you to say anything publicly. But if you would like to make that decision to become a citizen of heaven, 
I want you to just slip up your hand right where you are right now. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not singling you out. People at the back, people on the side. Thank you. Lots of hands going up. Fantastic. All right. Wonderful. Okay. You can all lower your hands. Great. Now, I said I wasn't going to single anybody out. So why don't we all say this prayer together, should we? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I'm so grateful for what you did on the cross. That you died for my sin. You rose again on the third day. And then you became my Lord. And you lead me. And you guide me. You called me a child of God. And you made me a citizen of heaven. And I know where I'm going. Because I'm on my way to heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, let's give him a big shout, shall we? Thanks for joining us. We want to help you know God, live free, and find purpose. To find resources to grow in your relationship with Christ, go to churchoftherock.ca slash next. You can also join us at one of our campuses, including our interactive online campus at churchoftherock.live. For locations, service times, or to support the ministry of Church of the Rock, please go to churchoftherock.ca or download the Church of the Rock app.